we have been delivered and set free by the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy of celebration today, worthy of giving thanks. If you would uh, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Uh, Our normal uh, time of teaching in the Bible is to go through a book methodically, uh, unfolding it. Uh, This morning we're going to pick up in chapter 6, or in verse 6 of chapter 16, and we're going to examine through uh, verse 18. After we seek the Holy Spirit in prayer, we'll read the passage uh, that's under consideration, and then we will divide the text, making some applications as we go. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we seek the Holy Spirit this morning to illuminate the passage to our minds for understanding to inflame our hearts, that we might behold your glory, that you engage our will in obedient faith. Help us, Lord, to understand your perfect timing. Help us to be a people in tune with you and with your will, such that we will yield ourselves to your direction, Lord. Give us a desire to have a proper posture and position to hear what the Spirit would speak to us. Lord, we trust the Spirit to convert the people in our lives that you have sent us to. You, God, are sovereign. You're the Savior. You're the deliverer of your people. And it is in you that we trust. In all of this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word from Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up from Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple uh, goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized and her whole household as well, she urged, uh, urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed on us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. This is the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God for us this morning. You may be seated. Please, I hope that you will 
bear with me in my uh, losing my voice, maybe losing of my train of thought as I have uh, been uh, kind of under the weather all week. And um, so I hope that the Holy Spirit will will use me to land the, the plane uh, this morning as um, my preparation was not as I would like it to be. So I want to begin by by saying this, that here we are in this day, and this is a day that the Lord has made. This is a day that is appointed for the purposes of God's glory. This is a day that God has appointed for some to come to salvation. God has appointed this day for some to be delivered, to be delivered today from oppression, to be delivered from besetting sins, to be delivered from those things that shackle us. Today is an appointed time for God's favor, an appointed day for freedom from sin. Today is appointed. It is an acceptable time. Today is an appointed salvation to those who would repent and believe. Do you remember, Christian, that there was a day, there was a day in which God had favor upon you when he listened to you, when he appointed eternal life to you? There was a divinely appointed time when he sent you a message and a messenger who delivered to you the good news of Jesus Christ. He appointed that day according to his divine will. He appointed that day in his perfect timing. In an appointed place and in the power of his Holy Spirit, he saved you and delivered you. See, God has divine appointments. His divine appointments scheduled for you and scheduled for me to serve him in. He has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the job, the duty of reconciliation. He's given you the words of the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. Are you aware of these appointments? Are you prepared to be used of God at his divinely appointed time? Do you place yourself where you can hear and understand the direction of the Holy Spirit? Are you confident in the work of the Holy Spirit alone to convert and deliver his people in God's appointed time. Sometimes do you miss the divine appointment because you fear your own inadequacy? Certainly God couldn't use me in this moment. I thank God that he's not dependent upon using me in the moment. As we will see in this text clearly that it is the Spirit of God who appoints the time, he appoints the place, he appoints the means, and those who are to be converted to him are appointed by him. Those who are to be set free are appointed by him. We just need to be available for those appointments because we are the instruments he uses in those appointed times and in those appointed places. In our study of the book of Acts, we've stated that uh, one of the themes in this of this book could be stated this, that the book of Acts is the great commission in action. We've also seen that the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit 
ministry. And it is his ministry through that of the apostles. And it continues on today in the church. What we'll see in today's passage is that the Great Commission is the sovereign act of God through the power of His Holy Spirit. The mission advances at the Spirit's appointed time, according to the Spirit's direction, at the Spirit-appointed location. And it is the Spirit that appoints those who will be converted and those who will be delivered. I think it's worthy of repeating that statement again so we get the gist of what is, I, I'm driving this passage uh, that we should see these things in this passage. I'm driving the message from this. The mission advances at the Spirit's appointed time, according to the Spirit's direction, at the Spirit's appointed location. And it is the Spirit that appoints those who will be converted and those who will be delivered. Since the Great Commission is the Spirit's work using the instrument of human agency, you and I have a question before us this morning. How do we make ourselves available for the divine appointments that God is calling us to? You might remember how the early church prepared themselves for the divine appointments, their practices. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, their continual practice was this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is preparation for appointment. This is being, this is being readied for the appointed time of the Holy Spirit to move and work. It was their continued practice. I think the King James puts this passage, they continued steadfastly. The idea is they continued continuing, always continually, about these four simple things. They were available. They were made ready for the Spirit's move. So if you would, uh, there's the map. Good, thank you. I was going to say, I want to consult the map just a little bit so that we can kind of get a little background of, of what Paul and Silas are doing. They've begun to travel back to the churches in Syria. So they have begun uh, here, you see, f- to go to Derby, Lystra, and all through there. They've begun to follow up with those churches that they were um, had delivered the gospel to on that first journey. And they're no doubt they're declaring the news from Jerusalem that, that um, circumcision and the c- ceremonial law uh, was not to be added as a requirement of salvation. But thus far, we see that no new territory has been taken for the gospel. So we pick up here in verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So first, we see that it is in the Spirit's timing that the advance of the gospel would come to Asia, but only in his timing. You might might recall from Acts chapter 1, Jesus' encouragement to the apostles. He, He basically, I'm paraphrasing this in my own words, don't get ahead of the Holy Spirit. Don't go before it's time. 
The success of the mission won't, won't happen if you go in your own timing, in your own strength, in your own power, according to your own will. In Acts chapter 1, and verses 4 and 5, this is he, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice the strong wording here. He forbade them from heading out on mission without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine how exciting it would be for uh, an apostle, a disciple of Jesus in that time? You watched him be crucified. You watched him be buried. And here he is in your presence in front of you. And in your own strength, in your own power, in your own excitement, you want to go out and tell the world, I need to go and tell the world that, that, that my Savior is alive. And Jesus forbids them and says, no, wait. Wait for the Spirit to come. Wait for the Spirit's timing. Don't, don't go ahead. I promised you that I would send you help for the journey. Wait upon him to arrive. Wait upon him to lead. Don't go in your own strength, Jesus later warns. The appointed time will come. The Spirit will direct you. It is the Spirit's power working in you that converts and delivers. So don't get ahead of yourself. I think sometimes we can do that, can't we? We can get ahead of God. We can get ahead of God and, and we can go out and, and say things and it comes off clunky and it doesn't work well and it's not received well. And, and then we can even use really, really bad methods of trying to beat somebody into submission to believe what it is that we believe. When we wait upon the Spirit to go ahead of us, to go with us, we have power to say words we didn't understand. Have you ever been in those situations where you're, you know that God has divinely appointed this time. You're sitting with a person and there's a discussion, maybe even an argument or a disagreement about something that you're, you're proclaiming to them. And then the word of God just comes out of your mouth. And you said these things and you go, I didn't know I knew that. I didn't know where that came from came because the Spirit had prepared you for this moment, for this divine appointment. So Jesus says, wait, the Spirit will direct you. It's the Spirit's power working in you that converts and delivers, so don't get ahead of yourself. In chapter 1 of Acts, verse 6 through 8, so when they had come together, they asked him this, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There's an appointed time, an appointed place. And notice that the Holy Spirit is orderly. Jerusalem, your sphere of influence first. Judea, an expanding sphere of influence. Samaria, the forbidden place, the places that are beyond your borders, and then ultimately to the end of the earth. See, God has divine appointments for us, for you and for I, brothers and sisters. We must go when he goes. We must go where he goes, and we must go in his power. A word of 
encouragement for us this morning for you brothers and sisters if you desire a new territory for the kingdom. Do you recognize the divine appointments that God has set for you in your current situation? We can often want the success that others have in ministry. I know for me, it can be, it can be a temptation to want what others have, seemingly having success, seemingly growing in a, in a quick fashion. And I wonder if, if, if in that desire and that pursuit for more, for more territory, that I could possibly miss out on the divine appointments God has for me right now. He has appointed this time. He has appointed this current situation for his glory and for his praise. And with that, I need to be content. Because he gives me appointments every day. We can often want the success that others have, looking for grand advancement, looking for influence, failing to recognize that God has sent the Spirit to guide us right here, right where we live and right where we work. God has divine appointments set for us today, but we often fail to recognize them in pursuit of the extraordinary. See, one thing I, I, I see and understand in this passage is that the extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit happens in ordinary circumstances. The extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit happens in ordinary things, in our ordinary ordered lives, in the things that we do every day, in the places that we work, in the places that we go. God has divine, divine appointments for us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of the Father, and they agree in our text. Notice in verse 6, the Holy Spirit forbid them to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, is the Spirit of the Father, and they all agree in this text. The time for Paul and Silas to advance their influence must wait must wait until the Spirit directs. Divine appointments are in the Spirit's perfect timing and in the Spirit's direction. Verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the Spirit communicates to Paul in a vision, in a night, in a dream. Visions are common uh, communication in the Spirit in the book of Acts. And remember in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, the Spirit calls Ananias in a vision. Paul sees a vision in a time of prayer in chapter 9, verse 12. Cornelius is given a vision, and Peter is given the same vision. Several more can be cited, uh, chapter 18, verse 9, chapter 22, verse 17, for example. But for our point this morning, suffice it to say that the Spirit communicates to the instruments of His choosing, communicates the time and the place of God's divine appointments. Have you had a vision from the Spirit? When you think of a vision, does it seem like something that is mystical and strange? 
I have found that God communicates extraordinarily in ordinary means. Do you want to see what the Spirit will show you? I would ask, do you spend time alone with God in His Word? We put ourselves in a position for our will to be lined with the Word of God. When we spend time alone, when we spend time saturated in the Word of God, we set ourselves up to be ready for the Spirit to speak to us through His Word and through prayer. Psalm 1 verse 2 says, But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. The one who is readied, who is prepared, in the ordinary fashion of being a, a man or a woman about the Word of God, you're prepared. You're in the place. You're in the place where the Spirit has opportunity to speak to you. When we pray the Word of God, the Spirit reveals to us the application uh, for our lives and for our ministry, doesn't He? Have you ever just prayed through, like purposely, intentionally, read the Scripture, not to read it for the purpose of gaining knowledge, but read it for the purpose of, I want to hear the heart of God in this passage. I want to hear what God's heart is for me. I want to hear from God's word what he'd have me do, how he'd have me change. I want to, I want to have the heart. It's, it's really uh, common for me to do this in the Psalms. As I pray through the Psalms, one of the things I ask the Lord before I ever open up the Psalm is, give me the heart of the psalmist. I want the heart that the psalmist has as he's praying, as he's praying through struggles, as he's praying through just glorifying God with his life and in the middle of these struggles. I think when we pray through the ordinary means, through the word of God, meditating on the word of God, there's power in meditating on the Word of God. There's power in prayer. And it's through these ordinary means that God reveals His vision for our life and for our ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. I would ask you this. Do you want a life directed by the Holy Spirit? I would ask you this. Do you saturate your mind with the Word of God? Or are your eyes drawn away to mindless entertainment far too often? Do you want to know where and what God would have you do? This is convicting for me. How often, how much do I pray? Do I want to know what God would have for me, what he wants me to do? Do I wrestle with God? Do I wrestle? Do I, do I come to him like a begging child? over and over again, asking the same thing till I hear him. We have no vision from God because I think we, we don't earnestly seek him in continual prayer. According to the Spirit, it is revealed to Paul that the Spirit desires the missionaries to preach the gospel to Macedonia. Paul, I believe, gets his vision as the Holy Spirit speaks to him 
in prayer. And he was a man saturated in the doctrine of Christ, in the word of God. And naturally, his prayers turned to God in the night, at the end of the day. What he's, what he's put into him is what is going to come out of him, you see. Well, let's look at verses 11 through 13. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. From there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. The Great Commission, my friends, is a sovereign act of God through his Holy Spirit. The mission advances at the Spirit's appointed time, according to the Spirit's direction, at the Spirit's appointed location. Take notice here of the first person accounting of the trip to Philippi. So setting sail, we made a direct voyage. We remained in the city. Luke here is writing not as an observer, as we have seen throughout the, the book so far. Luke is an observer of what is going on. Here, he's including himself. We traveled. We were there. He's now a participant in this journey. The appointed location is Philippi. The spirit is specific here. It was revealed to Paul in a vision that a man of Macedonia was seeking help. But when the Spirit moves him and moves the mission forward, the exact location is revealed as he moves out in faithful obedience. Right? When he got the vision, did he know that the Macedonian city he was to go to was Philippi? No. He just knew that the Spirit had told him that he was to move out to Macedonia and he, in faithful obedience to what the Spirit prompted him to do, he did. And as he went out, then the Spirit revealed more and more detail as to what it is that he was to do. Sometimes we can get a direction from God, and we don't know the details, right? The details to us are not clear. And when they're not clear, it seems to us that we think that it's incomplete. And then, I don't know about you, but this is something that I have often been guilty of. It's what's known as analysis paralysis. I'm trying to analyze the situation. I feel prompted to go here, but I don't have all the details. I'd be prompted to do this, but I don't have all the details. Let me analyze it and see if I can figure it out. If I can get everything written perfectly down that I know, step by step, do this, then this, then this, then this. And then I'm paralyzed by analyzing these things without stepping out first in obedience to what he's called me to and trusting that the Spirit will reveal to me the details as I go. Because I think he wants us to, to, this is a walk of faith. It's a continual walk of faith, a continual dependence upon the Spirit. If we had all the details, right? Is that faith? Faith leads us to trust in him as we move out. We can miss out on the divine appointment for a lack of God's complete knowledge. He knows everything. If the Lord prompts you to go, if you read the vision wrong, what happens? 
If the Lord prompts you to go somewhere and, and, and you have this sense in your prayer time and in your study of the word of God that he is moving you to a, a certain um, activity or a certain place and you go and it seems wrong. I read it wrong. The spirit will too reveal that to you. Don't be paralyzed by not knowing everything. Because the older I get, here's what I realize. I don't know anything. I thought I knew it all. But every year as I grow older and wiser, (laughs) wisdom says, you don't know anything. You have a lot to learn. You don't understand the will of God completely. You don't understand how he works completely. Trust him and move forward. He'll reveal to you if you're headed in the wrong direction. But maybe you're headed in the, in, in, in the right direction and you come across failure. You think, well, then God hasn't moved me out here. Maybe he has. Success may come later. He wants us to entrust ourselves to him. If the details are missing, he too will reveal those to you. Our mission is a mission of faith, trusting that though we see through a glass dimly right now that the Spirit uh, knows, and he will make himself known according to the counsel of his own will and in his own timing and according to God's own purpose. Again, I would like us to see that just like real estate, there are three really important factors um, in us being in tune and in line with the Holy Spirit. And I would say it's just like in real estate, it's location, location, location. The missionaries go at a time and a location where the likelihood of an appointment is high. Notice that when they move out, on the Sabbath day to a place known to be a place of prayer. Location, location, location. They go on the Sabbath day in a place where prayer takes place. See, there's no evidence in, in the, in the history of, of this uh, time to suggest that there was a synagogue in Philippi. But having stayed in Philippi, the missionaries were there for some time. And they learned that there are those there who live there who fear Yahweh. And they assumed that on the Sabbath day, they would gather in a location. They would gather in a place known for prayer. Did you know that individually, each one of us can find a place to encounter the divine every day? There, we can schedule divine appointments. The Spirit schedules some for us, our movement, but we can schedule times where we will meet with Holy God. We can schedule a divine appointment. I just want you to think about that for a second. Because I'm going to ask you this. Do you have a place where you go to pray? without distraction? To seek the presence of God? Prayer is the location of the presence of God. When I am in prayer, I am in the presence of God. 
Prayer is where we receive communication from the Spirit as we pray the Word of God into our lives. Sometimes we go to prayer and we think of prayer as us giving Him a list of things that we want Him to do. Or we give Him some orders. God, what I want you to do next is this, this, and this. And then after you do that, I'll do this, and then I want you to do this, this, and this. But prayer really is a divine appointment where the Spirit speaks to us. I think sometimes in prayer we think we need to talk a lot. I think in prayer we need to shut up and listen a lot. I think that's why it's very important that when you, if you have a time of prayer, that it begins with the Word of God. Let God's Word speak to you and then sit and be quiet. And the Spirit will reveal to you how to apply that passage to your life, to how you are living. You will hear from God. And that is a divine appointment. And that divine appointment, you are free to schedule for yourself. I was thinking about this, looking at my calendar. And I was looking at the things that I have scheduled. And I'm like, do I schedule divine appointments? I have 1,440 minutes a day. And how many of those minutes do I purposely schedule for a divine appointment? Where I just hear from God. Where I know that I am silent before Him in His presence. We can schedule these divine appointments with God. And then God will probably give you in your own heart appointments for you to, to walk in. Appointed times where the Spirit is going to move. Well, let's look at verse 14. They're, get, they're gathered together. They're in the place of prayer. They're in a place where the divine, uh, there's a possibility of a divine appointment on the Sabbath day in a place of prayer. Verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The missionaries have a divine appointment directed by the Holy Spirit at Philippi in the place of prayer. Lydia had a divine appointment that day as well. She had encountered the word of God through his chosen messengers. Paul, no doubt, declared to Lydia, he appealed to her to be reconciled unto God. He no doubt proclaimed that forgiveness of sin can be had through Jesus' atoning sacrifice, that new life and reconciliation uh, to God can be hers by grace through faith, God having raised him from the dead, if she would just repent and believe. Paul's part was to deliver the good news and to trust the work of the Holy Spirit to open her heart to receive it, to open her ears, that she might be made willing to believe. Christian, for your part, the Great Commission is this. Go. 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 Announce. 
Go and announce that salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't shrink back from heralding the good news because you feel inadequate. The only one sufficient to bring about salvation of anyone is God. Yours is to proclaim and to trust, to deliver the message and believe. I put it this way, herald and get out of the way. Tell the truth about Christ and get out of the way. Allow the Spirit to open the ears, the mind, and the heart to receive Him. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We're going to look at verses 20 uh, through chapter 6, verse 2, really quick. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with Him then, we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In our passage, the favor of the Lord was upon Lydia. This was the appointed day of her salvation. This was the day that she was given ear to hear what the Spirit would speak to her. This was the day that God had spoken to her by His Spirit, directed through His ambassadors. This was the day the Spirit converted Lydia from death to life, from a child of darkness to a child of light. The Great Commission missionaries upon the Spirit's conversion of Lydia had another responsibility, and that was to baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach her to observe all that Jesus commands. I want us to notice in our passage the genuineness of her conversion. Her conversion led to the conversion of her whole household. She was saved, her and her whole household. She was changed. And we can see evidence that she was changed in that her immediate response is to offer other believers hospitality. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come stay at my house. Come stay here. Her conversion was genuine. She offers hospitality to those who had proclaimed the good news to her. We're going to see here too that, that the Spirit not only converts, but the Spirit delivers. The Spirit delivers. The Spirit gives freedom. So they stay some days, they stay some time with Lydia, and then they go out again. And as they were going, verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. It seems that she's saying the right things, isn't she? But I hint there's a bit of sarcasm in that. A bit of 
her saying, these guys are proclaiming that there's salvation somewhere, that there's salvation in this most high God, right? She's denying it while saying it, if you know what I'm, I'm getting at. And Paul gets annoyed at her, at her constant saying, these are those who proclaim that there's salvation in the most high God, right? And she was one who was a fortune teller, one who divined things. She was empowered by another spirit, you see. So in that, she thinks she has the corner on what the spirit is, what the spirit says. It's the wrong spirit, right? So they're met on the way. They go to this place of prayer. Again, location, location, location. Where might God have a divine appointment for me? Let's go to the place of prayer again. And on the way, they're met with this one. She had rich owners, uh, and she was the one who made them rich. She's overtaken by a demonic spirit. She mocks the message. She mocks the messengers. And God, who is sovereign to not only convert the unbeliever in the power of the Holy Spirit, but He's sovereign. He's the one who can deliver from oppression. In that very hour, in that very moment, when Paul says, get out of her in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. He's speaking the power of the Holy Spirit. Get out of her. And she was delivered from that oppression in that very moment. Although she was a mocker. God is sovereign. He's the one who can deliver us from the oppression of the evil one. To free us from addictions, to free us from fears, to free us from the sins that beset us and entangle us. It is the Spirit of God that frees us up. Frees us from these things. And Paul here, he's an instrument of the Holy Spirit and he commands the oppressing spirit in the slave girl to depart from her. And she is immediately delivered. The Spirit delivered her. Paul did not deliver her, right? You got that, right? The Spirit delivered her. The Spirit converts and it delivers, and He delivers according to the perfect timing of the Spirit, according to the foreordained plan of God using human instruments. And he, and it is at the Spirit-appointed location. So I would ask you, if you are here this morning and you're not converted, if you've not been delivered, Know this, this is a divine appointment and you are here today. You are listening online by no accident. God appointed this time. You have been appointed to hear this truth that you have missed the mark of God and you deserve eternal judgment for your unbelief. You have been appointed to hear that Christ Jesus God's sinless son was crucified, dead, and buried. And that he atoned for the sin of God's people. God raised him up that if you repent and believe today, you will be saved. Today is a divine appointment. I would plead with you, if this is you, be reconciled unto God. 
Today is a favorable day. He is calling you to repent and believe on Jesus Christ today. This is the favorable time. This is the favorable day. This is the day of salvation. This is the grace of God. If you are not in Christ Jesus, don't take the grace of God for granted and let this moment pass you by. Because this is the only moment you have guaranteed. The one you're in right now. You don't have, you don't, you're not guaranteed another breath. This is the favorable time to repent and believe. This is the day that God will deliver you from sin and death. This is the day that God will deliver you from all those things that oppress you. But I warn you that if you hear this message and you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have another appointment coming. There is a day coming when you will give a reckoning to God. That's a divine appointment. There's a day appointed for each of us to stand before holy God and give an account. For you and I who are in Christ, we don't, we, we're not overly concerned about that day, are we? Because on that day, we proclaim Jesus Christ. Though I am wretched, he gave his life for me. That's all I can claim before holy God on that day. That's the reckoning I will give. The enemy might have all kinds of accusations and I would say, true, true, true. But God, in his great mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ for me and I believe. The Holy Spirit of God opened my ears to hear, opened my eyes to see. Open my spirit to receive him, and I believe. But if you don't have that, on that day, when you meet the Lord face to face, you will be there to give a reckoning and to receive in yourself what your sin deserves. I am praising God that I am not going to receive in myself what I deserve. That Christ took on what I deserve in himself. And that by the Holy Spirit, he gave me faith to believe. Are you ready for your divine appointments? Church, are you going to put your, yourself in a place where you're prepared for what God has appointed for you? God may have appointments for you this afternoon. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You're ready for those appointments. Do you want to prepare yourself at home this week for the divine appointments that are coming? Find yourself a quiet place. Open up the Word of God and listen to Him. Pray to Him. Seek His presence. And God will appoint times for you to follow his Holy Spirit.